This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host, Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. When you think about it, it's remarkable what a diverse hobby amateur radio really is. There are so many things to do, the list can seem almost endless. I think many of us, especially those of us who've been licensed for a long time, have a tendency to kind of get into a rut. We do the same things over and over and over. We sit down at the radio, we operate FT8, we chase a little CWDX, check into a sideband net, and so on. Same activities every day. One of the things I like to do in the Eclectic Tech Podcast is to use it as a vehicle to remind us of alternative activities, things we probably knew once upon a time and maybe even tried, but we've since forgotten. We let it go off to the side and we never venture back to that territory again. Now, if you remember a few episodes ago, I talked about slow-scan television, something that's been around for more than 60 years. I heard from a surprising number of listeners, many of whom had been licensed for quite a while, who said they had simply forgotten that slow-scan TV was still around. They gave it a try, and they remembered how fun it could be. Well, I'd like to use this opportunity to bring up something else, something that you may have forgotten, and that's FM on the HF bands, 10 meters in particular. Most modern HF transceivers have an FM mode, and I would imagine it's been ages since some of you have selected that switch, hasn't it? Yeah, there's FM activity on 10 meters, and it's been there for many years, particularly above 29.5 megahertz all the way to the end of the band. Of course, 10 meters as a band is very much at the whims of the solar cycle, and right now the band is not in great shape most of the time. But if you remember our discussion about sporadic e-propagation, Don't forget that this isn't just a 6-meter phenomenon. It can often dip down to the 10-meter band, and when it does, regardless of the mode, you can suddenly have some very long-distance conversations that just seem to pop in out of the blue. Just like 2 meters, there are FM repeaters on 10 meters. When the band opens, you'll hear these repeaters coming in from all over the country, In some cases, people are conversing on the repeater and they don't even realize that their conversation is being heard over a much wider area than they might imagine. Listen to this. Call. So, as it was coming out, the WN2Es would have been a couple years before me, like 62 or 63. What you're hearing are two people just chatting away on a 10-meter FM repeater. I have to wonder if they even realize that sporadic e-propagation is taking place and that I'm hearing their repeater, which happens to be in central Georgia, at my home here in Connecticut, hundreds of miles away. One thing I like to do is park my radio on 29.6 FM. That's the uh, FM simplex calling frequency. I turn up the squelch until the noise stops, and then I just busy myself with other things. If the band suddenly opens, I'll hear it loud and clear. If you happen to have a transceiver that has memory scanning capability, set it up to sweep through the FM repeater output frequencies, starting at 29.61, then 29.62, and so on, all the way up the band. 
Just let it scan on those frequencies and you'll be amazed at what will occasionally come through. Some hams who like to study propagation use this technique, in fact. They scan through the FM repeater output frequencies on a separate radio with just a simple wire antenna. They have the radio scanning over and over just waiting for something to break through. 10 meter FM has the potential to be a lot of fun when the band is open. The 29.6 simplex frequency just by itself can erupt into pure chaos when the band is hot. You've heard two signals doubling on a 2 meter repeater? Well, just imagine signals tripling, quadrupling, and more. That's what it sounds like. If you're looking for a way to break out of your amateur radio rut, give 10 meter FM a try. It might surprise you. I'm on the telephone with Pascal, and I'm going to try this, Pascal Villeneuve, Victor Alpha yeah, 2, Papa you have Victor. It right. Really? I, I'm amazed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're pretty good. <laughs> and Pascal has done a number of QST product reviews for us, and although he's reviewed many different types of products, he's kind of our go-to guy when it comes to gadgets. Uh, things that uh, have the potential to be somewhat complex, maybe. And for this time, Pascal, I would like to talk about hotspots, because I know you've reviewed, well, more than one, haven't you? Yes, I did. Probably the best way to start for a lot of listeners who really have no idea what it is. Can you explain what a hotspot really is? Well, actually, I can, but I've been thinking about it, how to explain it simply, and I could not find any uh, quick answer to that. And, uh, you know, with the digital world that uh, that we live in right now, uh, we saw uh, some, uh, some digital mode rising in popularity for many reasons, and uh, they combined the use of the Internet. And there's a lot of, uh, of discussion about... Uh, is that um, radio or isn't, you know, so it, there's a lot of confusion about this thing. And an odd spot, it's a way to reach a distant repeater or a distant station, uh, mixing RF on the ambands with the internet. And the, the best way to explain the, the, the reason for creating an odd spot is that Using the IP network today, we can actually bridge uh, 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 some repeaters together and uh, we can have uh, different digital mode. Even you have different time slot and you can have more than one QSO on the same frequency with this technology. And hotspot is actually a way for, for AM to reach a distant repeater. But the digital communication make it easy to encapsulate the information uh, on that digital mode of the QSO that you have, and you can actually encapsulate that and transport it over IP, and at the other end, just get the digital mode, you know, the frame and have it broadcast on their local repeater. So an odd spot Usually, all the hotspot today's are um, multi-mode. They can do many uh, digital mode, or most of them, or all of them. And and what it does, it it allows you to reach what we call a reflector. And a reflector is exactly the equivalent of a repeater in the analog world, 
or even in the digital world, because there is some repeater that are uh, digital as well. But what it does is then you have a rendezvous point where all the connected station or repeater on that reflector can hear each other. So if there is some repeater connected to that reflector, and depending on the mode, the, the name of the reflector can change, okay? It can be a talk group in BMR, let's say. But then the reflector acts as an IP repeater. So all the repeater and all the stations that are connected to that reflector hear each other. And, and the good thing about that is that, let's say you travel, you're in California, you're from Florida, you have some friend on the repeater, well, you can actually plug your hotspot into your hotel room. And from the hotspot, you can actually connect to a reflector where your local repeater is connected, and then you can talk to your friend using your HT from that hotel room, like if you were local on the repeater. Pascal, would it be fair to say that a hotspot would be particularly useful if you have, say, a D-Star, DMR, Yesu, System Fusion transceiver, but you don't have a repeater anywhere nearby, your hotspot would be uh, really the only way you could get on the air with that, at least as far as uh, talking to people on other digital repeaters or reflectors. Is that correct? It, this is correct. Okay. A, a lot of vans that have some friend in other states or they don't have a local repeater connected or sometimes they have a local repeater using digital mode, but it's more on the old fashioned way. That means the repeater is not connected to the internet, even if it is a digital repeater. So then you cannot reach that repeater uh, other than, you know, just go on it locally uh, on the local frequency on the M-band. But if you uh, are uh, in a region where there's no, let's say, there's no fusion repeater, well, you can actually use digital mode with your hotspot to reach a distant repeater or a group or a reflector because there is different network within the same mode. Okay, that's a, it's something that confuses everyone because there is, let's say, we talk about Yezu Fusion, there is three, well, three that I know of, three networks that exist that are independent, but people link them together. Okay. <laughs> the first one is from Yezu, which is called the WireX uh, network, and uh, and that is the the original. And there's also because because the Yezu um, uh, system is uh, you cannot connect to it using an hotspot. You need to have uh, to connect to the Yezu network. But you can have an hotspot locally beside your Yezu radio connected to the to the the, uh, the WireX network from Yezu and do a bridge. That means your hotspot, that is a small transmitter, a very low power, usually around 12 milliwatts. And what it does is it transmits and receives. So you can actually transmit on the uh, locally on RF, and then you'll be retransmitted in one network, let's say Yezu network. And when you receive, you are retransmitting on the reflector that your hotspot is connected to. So people do links like this. But on the hotspot, there's two different Yezu networks. There's YSF, Yezu System Fusion Network. And there's also the FCS, which is the fusion... Um, uh, then I don't, I don't remember the, <laughs> the acronym of the FCS. I, I've been hosting one year since 2015. And uh, usually there's about 400 stations connected to that C4FM uh, repeater uh, system, reflector system. 
So it's it's very complex, and I have a video that is very popular on my YouTube channel, just trying to explain the different mode and the different reflector. So people get confusing, but keep in mind if if you have any digit, you need actually a digital radio to use an hotspot. Okay, that is you need absolutely well, at least one digital radio, and from there you can connect to that mode, that, that radio mode, to many reflector, many network, and then you will learn where to go to reach a network that you're not actually connected to it, okay? So it's a, it, it, that gets very confusing, and I'm sure that people who are listening are all confused now. <laughs> As I try to explain, I, I confuse people more. But it's just a matter of getting started and getting to use it, and then it will be very easy to understand. It's just, it's just like if you have a group of repeater owner, there's group A who have five repeater, and there's group B that have five repeater. But they may have different way of do things, and it may be, those five repeater of group A are linked together and B are linked together. But maybe they have a link between A and B somewhere. And there's a way to reach both of them at the same time. They do that sometime when they open a net. They're going to open a reflector. Then there's the D-star net, and it's nationwide. And they close the link after. Okay, so so the hotspot usually is is what you use to reach those networks. And there's a lot of things you can do. It's very fun. Okay, when I started, I've been around for almost 30 years, and I was an HF guy. And I was refusing to do digital mode and D-star and stuff. You know, I was not interested until one of my friends begged me to buy a D-star radio. <laughs> and and then I started, and what I found, I found something that I didn't find in amateur radio for a long time. That means something new that I had, I'd have, you know, something to learn. I'm starting back from scratch. And that was a lot of fun. And, and, and then I got involved, you know, in the digital community and everything. And it's, uh, it, it, it's very interesting. And I think it's interesting for young people to, to try to um, uh, understand modern network that are using radio over IP, which is similar to voice over IP for telephony, let's say. And, and I think it's very, this is very attractive. And for older people, uh, there's a chance, you know, and if you have to leave ever to leave in a, in a nursing home, well, you can use an hotspot and still reach your friend without having any antenna outside of your building. Okay, so this is something we need to consider as the population is getting older. Do you need a computer with a hotspot? Do you have to plug it into a computer and then the computer to the Internet? Uh, this may be the case, but most of them are standalone. Oh, they are standalone. They are standalone, okay. and and you can build one for around a hundred bucks. Okay, and you can build it yourself. There's an article in the QST in the February edition by Bob Wilson, KS5 TPQ, uh, talking about how to build your own hotspot for the star. So, and uh, you know, you can build it. It's called RigPi. It's an open source software that you can. Uh, uh, sorry, did I say RigPi? <laughs> yes. No, you had it right. No, yeah, but it's not RigPi. RigPi is another thing, okay? 
<laughs> oh, okay. It's Pie Star. <laughs> pie Star. Yeah, that's Pie it. Star. Rick Pie is for a remote control using a Raspberry Pi. Okay, it's actually using a, a small computer Raspberry Pi, and as you you bring on a board called MMDVM board, and uh, this was explained in an article that I did also uh, for the uh, Next Gen Hotspot, as I explained all the components of an uh, of an open source hotspot using a Raspberry Pi. There's some of them that are actually mini repeaters, so you have a different input and output frequency. Uh, you can do a, you can do cross mode and uh, and stuff like that with certain of them as well. Some hotspots are able to uh, you can do uh, C4FM using a DMR radio or using uh, uh, do a DMR radio with a C4FM. Uh, uh, radio because the, the digital uh, path is able to do the translation between the, the, the two modes that are similar. So there's many, many things that you can do uh, with an path. And when it comes to the debate, is it I'm radio? Well, I got my own take on that. I've been thinking, if you, if you allow me, uh, Steve, I, I talk a lot, okay? And it seems that my word, uh, I don't get too mixed up with my French language right now. So I'll keep on talking if you, if you, if you will allow me. <laughs> oh, please, please go ahead. <laughs> so there's a lot of debate of what this is, not Amrio. This is Amrio. Well, I've been thinking about that this week and I said, how can I, you know, um, explain why I think this is really Amradio? And uh, I think I found the correct uh, comparison uh, with the, the telephony world. If you go in the telephony world, now we're talking, I'm using a high-P phone with a, a cloud services using the uh, internet. And, but I could have used my uh, landline that I have for my home, or I could have used my cell phone. My cell phone is wireless. I can do uh, voice over IP over Wi-Fi as well. And... Um, it's not AM radio, even if it's wireless, right? Because it's not built by AM, it's not developed by AM, it's just a commercial service. And But it's still, either it's a line, landline, IP telephony, or uh, a cell phone, it's still telephony. We can't argue with that, it's telephony. Uh, and they all talk to each other. And it's the same thing with an hotspot. There is some RF signal. There is it's in the AMBAN. There's a, some part that are going through the internet, then come back to RF to be retransmitted on the repeater. And some people you're talking to are not using the internet at all. They're actually using the local repeater on that frequency. And it's built, owned, developed, and managed by AMS. All the reflector servers, all the, the hotspot, the mode, the frequency, it's all AM radio. So for me, this is all part of AM radio. I agree. I see exactly what you mean. Hey, before we conclude, Pascal, uh, how do I find your YouTube channel? How does a listener find your videos? <laughs> That's a complicated thing. <laughs> Because my YouTube channel, when I started the YouTube channel, that's all related to Hotspot, by the way, okay? So uh, uh, a few years ago, uh, I went to AmFest and I was born. You know, I didn't know what to look for. Why I wanted to, you know, I had a, uh, uh, I wanted to learn something new and 
for some reason, I went to the uh, local dealer, uh, Yezu dealer here, and I bought a, a mobile radio with an HT uh, that is able to do C4FM. I bought that, and at the time, I've learned there was a network called WireX, but I couldn't get the box to reach that network in Canada. So I have to order my box in the United States. And I think I was like the 25, or the, I was uh, on the top 20 or something like that of the, the first AM in North America to connect to that network or something like that. Okay, as I remember, so it was in 2014. And, and I started to uh, do a digital uh, mode like this, and I found out that I had a few friends that was also looking for that. So we started to, uh, some was connected before me, and so uh, we start to link uh, what we call a room because there's different language and different mode okay depending depending on the network on the wire x network we're calling about a room uh, a reflector in the star we're going we're gonna um, uh, talk about a talk group in dmr so they all have different wording for about the same thing okay or similar and uh, we start to talk and then we had we bought some repeaters and we had a repeaters network and and we decided to do a website so we did a website in french and my YouTube channel name is laboenlink.ca. That's a friend name, name to say online lab, okay? <laughs> so, so my YouTube channel has a French name called laboenlink that has nothing to do with AM radio, you know, when you read for the first time. And, and that was something I had in my lab, a domain name that I had in my lab with my server because... I work for a telecom company and I do some tests and I have a lab. And when I was doing my Cisco certification, uh, I work in IPs mainly, uh, uh, as you can understand. Um, and uh, I have this domain name and we decide to use it for this, the website. So their website was in French only, but we noticed that 95% of the viewers were not even from Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was asking for English website. So I did. I made the website, and then we were one of the first to to use the first mid, uh, digital art part that were multi mod, and that then the YouTube channel went just crazy, and it just started like this. So and I, I'm stuck with the name laboenlink.ca. So that's the name of my YouTube channel. But if you search for my call sign VA2PV, you'll be able to find me. Very good, Pascal. Well. That was excellent, and I look forward to seeing you in QST again soon, by the way. Yes, well, I, I think there's a dead, well, no, I think I'm sure that there's one coming in the next uh, publication. So, uh, and I'm working some uh, other project. And uh, for Hotspot, there's many, there's some commercial Hotspot you can buy. And uh, if you are not too uh, good with Linux and, uh, and this type of uh, operating system that are open source and need, uh, uh, you know, that you don't have a, a lot of support except a forum, <laughs> which is not always the best, uh, you can buy some Hotspot that are really user-friendly and uh, very simple to operate. Operate uh, and they, they will be more expensive, but uh, and then you can move on and, and build your own. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Pascal. Well, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL, and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.